Welcome to Nuanced Beauty. This podcast is intended to be a spot where my husband Bill and I will capture some complex thoughts and challenge us to hold to our opinions loosely so that we can see the beauty in others and the beauty in ourselves. I want to challenge us to dive deeper into those everyday topics and those sticky topics that we might shy away from or we might bulldoze over others with our opinions. Because I think there's wisdom in this idea that if we all thought exactly the same, there would be no need for anyone else. So let's have a conversation and let's get nuanced. Welcome back to Nuance Beauty. Hey, folks. Uh, so I want to start by asking Christina, when did you know that I was the one? Oh, brother. That's a terrible question. Why ever would that be a terrible question? Well, that brings us to this week's topic. <laughs> yeah. Um, as you can see, I couldn't answer that question. So It's clear that I'm just not the one. Clearly. Clearly. There was not a clear indication that you were the one. Oh, so let's get nuanced, shall we? Um, soulmates, soulmates, or potentially the concept of the one. Um, I was listening to a quick snippet on Instagram from another podcast, and this woman was being interviewed, and she was promoting this idea of having like many soulmates, or that like uh, many people could meet your needs based on like what season you're in. Uh, so therefore we shouldn't be afraid to have many partners in our lifetime. Yeah. She was, she was making the point that, uh, well, you know, that might be the one for that period of time, but you're going to grow and change as a person. Right. So then you might have another one later, mm-hmm. which, um, you know, if you, if you don't think about it at all, sounds super reasonable. Right. And, um, so I feel that I can see her point um, in that it's brushing up against this concept of there is only one person out there for you, your soulmate. And um, where we would drastically differ in views, though, I can totally get behind that first part, is that I would say that there are many possibilities for you, but then you choose to be in a committed relationship with one person. You show up for that person, you grow with them, you create a safe, vulnerable space to be seen and be loved no matter what is going on. And um, that becomes your family. And the benefits that you create by being committed to one person allows for perseverance. It allows for commitment. It allows for forgiveness to take place in a marriage. Yeah, she, I feel like she has a level of half-truth in that. Uh, you know, we're, we're sold this idea through every Disney movie ever made that there <laughs> the is a level song. of the one. Oh yeah. yeah the, like what if I what meet if someone? I meet the one. What if I meet the one? And it's just kind of a taken for granted item that there's going to be that one special person in your, in your life that you're going to meet and fall in love with and live happily ever after. And I think uh, if you go back to like the graduate, you ever seen the graduate? No. I, uh, it's, there's a, this famous scene at the end where uh, I'm getting on a tangent, but it's okay. Uh, 
she's going to marry somebody else, but he knows that she is the one. So he runs into the, into the chapel and he starts banging on the window. Amelia. I can't remember what her name was, but say it's Amelia. <laughs> Amelia. Uh-huh. Um, and then she's like, Steve or whatever his name. I can't remember either. And then she runs out and then they hold hands and they run to the bus stop and they run onto the bus and they sit in the back and they're laughing and they're smiling. And then the movie should just end right there, but it doesn't. Uh-huh. It just stretches out for like another 30 seconds as the smiles kind of slowly leave their face and they realize, Oh, now I have to live the rest of my life with this person. Like, once they get past that euphoria of like, oh no, I've met the one, I've committed to this, the one. Uh huh. Then they have to deal with the rest of their lives. Uh huh. Well, and I think um, for me, what comes up uh, in this topic is uh, from a uh, Christian perspective, uh, I think that depending on what your uh, view of free will versus uh, free destination, um, or not free destination, but <laughs> free destination. <laughs> that's not the right word. What am I trying to say? Free will free versus destination. predestination. The opposite of free destination. Yeah. Um, like these thoughts are th- like two major theologians. Um, there's like the Calvinism versus the Arminian way of processing, like how much autonomy you have versus how much God directs your life and um, how, how much you make decisions. And I I think that if you're kind of more in the predestination, this idea of finding the one might be a little more um, tangible or like um, easy to accept um, versus the idea that there could potentially be many fish in the sea. And um, the thing is, like, so you and I, we actually agree on this, that there isn't just like the one, that there are many fish in the sea. Um. But we chose, like but we, we chose. chose and we made a promise under God. And I, I think the the thing that I would caution when somebody is under the, um, the other side, that there is the one for them, when they meet someone that they're attracted to two years into their marriage and they think that there was only the one, mm-hmm. you have the potential for that temptation to set in your mind the idea that like, oh gosh. I didn't pick correctly. Mm-hmm. Like, what if I picked the wrong person? Well, yeah, we, we knew somebody a long, long, long time ago that uh, had an affair uh, with that just that very mentality of like, well, uh, I'm attracted to this other man. And that must mean that I wasn't meant to be in this marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she was wrong and she repented of that. And, and they're they're still together. But uh, that if that absolutism. Uh, I, I'm much more of the belief that uh, by making a commitment and, and honoring that commitment that you're uh, uh, rewarded mm-hmm. with a level of intimacy and, and connectedness that stems from that, that, uh, that discipline of marriage uh-huh. uh, in, in, in a way. I feel like this is a relatively new problem because of our access to so many people. Right. So, right. Uh, you know, 200 years ago, there, you knew the 25 other women in your village and uh, which one of them were you going to marry? Because uh-huh. you didn't have that much of an option. And my mom's going to talk to her mom and then we're all going to get hooked up because yeah. that's how that's how marriages existed for most of human history. It was, more, it was a bit of a community affair. And I would say even not here in the States, prearranged marriages are still a thing. And I would say maybe even here in the States, prearranged marriages with um, first generation immigrants, I think it's still a thing too. Well, yeah, I think in in communal, in communal uh, cultures, uh, 
you know, the, the idea that gets kind of caricaturized in American media of like the, uh, the, the spouses who never met each other and are, you know, uh, immediately made, swept off their feet. No, like made to get married oh. by domineering parents who are forcing oh. these two together. I don't really think that's how it works from the, the folks I've talked to from these cultures. It's uh-huh. more like, well, no, I just care what my parents think. And my marriage is part of a broader tapestry Impact. of my community. Yeah. And so we're all kind of part of this decision. Yeah. And that's a super reasonable perspective to have. Uh-huh. And um, it, it just, it kind of differs from, mm-hmm. um, and the connotation, like you drew out there, the connotation of like, um, how that's a bad thing mm-hmm. that you would allow other people to feed into your decisions in life. Well, in a, in an individualistic American atomistic uh-huh. view, then yes, it is. Uh-huh. And it's, it's a uh, objective good in our culture to say, I'm going to stand on my own two feet and make my decisions. Uh-huh. Our marriage is an example of that. Yeah. <laughs> the relationship I had with my parents uh, around around us getting married. But I am in, in a world where we have social media, uh, and, and including relationship based social media, and you have this all these options. And there, there's like a I don't want to call it FOMO, but yeah, it's a FOMO mm. of like, well, I don't know that this is the one because yeah. I could scroll through so many more people. Uh-huh. And so there is a there's an incentive structure to not make a commitment. And exercise this discipline of no, I'm going to commit myself to this one person. Uh-huh. And I think that's being reflected. And there's a lot of things that go into this. This is being reflected in dropping marriage rates and chopping childbirth rates. People are getting married and having kids much, much later. Uh-huh. And there's a lot of economic circumstances around that too. Yeah. But I think this is also a big part. I think social media is completely undermining some of our the some of our ability uh, to ability to function as a species. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny though because what you just said about like the number of uh, people you have like in your network, this you know endless network of people that you could connect with, um, or sleep around with, or whatever. Um, connect with or without the quotes. You can connect, or you can in quotes connect. connect. <laughs> um, it's funny though. Uh, there was an article about the hookup culture or something. It was on. Um, Barry Weiss, the TGIF or that, and they cited a study out of like Washington University or something like that, where grocery store, right? A grocery store um, did a survey with folks and they found that having the option of six varieties six varieties of jam was the right number because a person didn't get overwhelmed and they made a selection and then afterwards they were more likely to be satisfied with their selection than the person who had 20 plus varieties of jams in front of them and then when they made their selection they like worried and questioned themselves if they made the right one so maybe so the moral of the story here gentlemen is women's is basically jam and um don't look at too many bottles of jam or else it's going to affect your relationship with the jam later on. The jam that you select. You'll get yourself in a sticky situation. I'll tell you You'll that. be stuck in a jam. That's for sure. You'll be stuck in a jam for oh sure. Gosh. And going back to the, the, the lady with her perspective on, you know, this you might have multiple loves of your life, and this might be the one for your twenties and the like one a for your forties. Polyamorous or polygamous. Well, because she wasn't necessarily talking about them overlapping, but just like you might switch from one to the other, like one might switch careers. Yeah. Like okay, you you're also told growing up you're going to have a dream job, right? Uh-huh. But that dream job might change. Your passions might change in life, and that's a true and good thing that you don't have to stick with your same job. Uh huh. And absent 
a, a, a covenantal relationship with a creator and we're Christians, but however that might look like for you, absent that kind of transcendent promise of something bigger than yourself, that transcendental promise, uh-huh. then I kind of get where she's coming from. Because if you don't have that external uh, view of your marriage, mm-hmm. whether it's the collectivist culture we talked about or a, uh, a relationship with your creator, like, like we believe, uh-huh. uh, then, then why wouldn't you? jump from one person to the other right because if all it is is a, a thing that's self. in service to you exactly yeah then then why wouldn't you switch it up now you can look at more you know uh anthropological reasons for that like the raising of children the the connection of your community the actual you know generation of the next generation there actually are really good like logical reasons mm-hmm. outside of like the religious reasons for marriage there's logical oh, reasons yeah for even marriage. like the book that i'm reading right now sorry i cut no you please the book that i'm reading right now um it's called childhood disrupted and how your um how your biography affects your biology. The book is all about adverse childhood experiences. There is a survey of 10 questions and they did a huge, like, I don't know, 17,000 folks reviewed uh, files with Kaiser Permanente in the nineties or two thousands. But they found that folks who had adverse events and, and were like talking divorce. Divorce is one of the 10 adverse uh, events, as well as like feeling unsafe and as well as physical abuse, mental abuse, like different categories. Diverse is, uh, divorce is one of those things. And statistically speaking, the impact on your physiology later in life, which you may or may not have like made a connection with, because this isn't super talked about, like it's known, but it's not fully explored because it's on it's hard to quantify yeah. but they did quantify it well, that's right that doesn't mean it's crazy. not difficult to quantify <laughs> yeah like they've shown like statistically the higher your ace scores the more likely for various things from cardiac heart things from cancer to this to that like it's it's crazy right now, and I, it. oh man I, and this is a t- completely different podcast topic but considering that the rise in no-fault divorces in the 70s and 80s mm. uh, you know the our parents generation how many people did you go to school with whose parents were divorced yeah I probably don't know, more probably than half, half probably more than half. half at least half yeah that's new that's new but that, I mean, my parents uh, were divorced. So divorce is just like a normal and, thing. And so are my, that's my point. Yeah. But it wasn't. It was so normalized It's It's, it's normal in this, within the generation. It's not normal in the extent of human history. Uh-huh. And, um, and then that kind of plays into maybe like the people of today after. are like, okay, well, divorce is bad. So now I'm taking it the next step and I'm not going to get married. Uh-huh. And so then you want to also get like rid of that, that kind of commitment there. But I like. You want to lose your cake and diet too. <laughs> Jeez. You're losing all the good things. There was like another thought that I had. Um, we have a college friend and her parents met and they got married within like a month. Oh, they're like three days. Or something. Was it, it like was ridiculous? It was like a weekend. Yeah, and they're still married today. They're still married. They had a ton of kids. Yeah. Catholic, but... you know. Yeah. <laughs> You're funny. <laughs> Jim Jim Gaffigan had a bit about that. And I feel like we have a, a, a book of the week and we're starting to say podcast of the week. And it's just stand up comedy bit of the week because most of what I say is reference. Referencing but some he, comedy. He made a bit about uh, you know, Catholics have a lot of kids. But you always have to say, like, oh, I have six kids. Catholic. I can't put the Catholic in there. <laughs> you have to make it known that you're Catholic. Well, because or else someone might think, oh, she really likes sex. <laughs> oh, no, they're Catholic. Never mind. <laughs> that was a Jim Gaffigan. That was a Jim Gaffigan. Oh, bit. my gosh. Lovely. But um, what I was thinking about with um, her 
her uh, parent situation is that if you bought into the view of the one, you might quickly conclude like, oh, wow, they got so lucky to find their soulmate so quickly. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, must be so nice finding the one. But I would share that you could just as easily change your uh, perspective on that. And you could fall along the lines of wow, they stayed committed Mm -hmm. and cared for each other through thick and thin. Right. So, you know, it's like a cute, like, uh, quick love story. And like, wow, that seems unheard of. Mm -hmm. But it's also like, it's 50 years of commitment toward each other. So let's maybe put the emphasis more on the the beauty of the commitment and Mm -hmm. the way that we prosper than, um, I don't know, this idea of like the one. Because I just see too many concerns with buying into the one and where it falls short. A- absolutely. And I think it it's could be incredibly damaging to a marriage to, to back in on that. And you've mentioned this though already early in the podcast where if you then have this view of if I'm attracted to somebody, then this marriage is invalid. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that will either just get you right out of the marriage or it will fill you with so much fear and anxiety within the marriage. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 it stops up lines of communication. And that's something you and I have talked about a lot. We're like, oh, I find myself to be attracted to this person. Uh-huh. And I, I can say that out loud. Yeah. And, and it that, doesn't hold the same power. It, it disempowers it when, you, when you're when you open about your feelings. Mm-hmm. And because we both know that... Where we, we stand on this topic. Where we stand on the topic and we uh, have this commitment, this covenantal commitment to our marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can, we can move forward with that, with that kind of idea. Yeah. Uh, but if we had the thought of, well, no, you're, you're, you're the one, the one is perfect because they're capital T, capital O, the one. Yeah. And so if you make any sort of mistake, including finding yourself attracted to somebody, you're gone, mister. You're, you're now lowercase T. You're now lowercase T, lowercase one, lowercase G, lowercase away. You're the one that's going away. <laughs> yeah. That was some track to lay that out there, but I got it. Uh-huh. Nailed it. Nailed it. Yeah. And I mean, maybe props to our, our premarital counseling, Mm -hmm. like this, this idea came up in our premarital when it was the topic of sex and attraction. And like, we were told at that point that you're going to be attracted to somebody at some point and you kind of have to work with each other and choose how you're going to, um, put up guardrails, um, or like uh, hold each other accountable or talk to each other or talk to other folks, like, um, so that it, it doesn't fester. It doesn't become a thing that it doesn't Mm -hmm. need to become. And right. yeah, I think that's just, like we said, that's a little bit of the fallacy we believe in mm. buying into the one. Yeah, because we believe every step of every day of every marriage is a choice that you're making to honor that commitment. Mm-hmm. And that goes far past the sense of the one. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah, um, well, I mean, we didn't grow up Christian. So a lot of like the, the insider vocabulary jokes, I, I still barely get. But uh, this an idea of predestination versus uh free will is is, um topic for another podcast for sure all right guys all right the book recommendation for this week is called childhood disrupted how your biography becomes your biology and how you can heal Uh, The book is written by Donna Jackson Nakazawa, and it has been a a great read, a very, um, 
encouraging read, I guess, um, if you are trying to explore maybe your history and um, to pinpoint potentially the adversities that you experienced and then realize that there is an immense amount of scientific research that has linked childhood adversities to physical and mental health disorders as an adult. And specifically, um, the final portion of the book, which I am still working through. So I'm recommending this book before I've wrapped up the final chapters, um, but how you can heal, right? Um, from journaling to art and drawing to meditation, um, it's been a great read and um, kind of understanding um, for myself the acknowledgement of how um, how the far-reaching impact of unseen, maybe spiritual things um, and adversities in childhood do carry with us. And um, we do have the ability to uh, make positive changes and make gains, and we do not have to be stuck in that, you know, that experience. So, uh, yeah, check out the book Childhood Disrupted by Donna Jackson Nakazawa. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And in the spirit of nuance, I hope you found something that you could agree with and disagree with and still choose to lean in. If you're liking the show, please follow us and share it with friends and leave a rating and review. Until next time.